Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. It was a Saturday in the neighborhood of East Walnut Hills, Cincinnati, Ohio. The temperature was about 77 degrees that morning, slight southeasterly wind. So the heat wasn't at its peak yet. So while I slept in, I did afford myself the opportunity to still go for a jog in the neighborhood. I circled streets. I waved at folks as I passed. And finally, after a while, I headed in the home stretch. And as I crested the upper hill, as I always do, I looked at the steeple of our Echo location, 1301 East McMillan Street. It was my finish line. Tired as I was, out of breath, I pressed toward this stately structure and then stopped in my tracks, literally mouth agape. You see, the gray walls of this old building suddenly glared in the morning sun right at my gaze, and I thought, something is missing. So I stepped closer to the front lawn, and I could see it. I could smell it. Two freshly hewn tree stumps, sawdust, still scattered. Thank you for taking part in my dramatic reenactment of this story. Basically, two trees are missing. I was out on a walk on a Saturday morning, and they were just gone. Now, part one is I say our trees, but really, we're just stewards of this space. We rent Echo Church's location from the Learning Grove. They are a childcare facility with venues across Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. This building happens to be where they originated their headquarters for one of the two organizations that merged to form Learning Grove. Their administration, half of them are still here. There's classes that go on every day during the week, preschool, daycare, and they've just been really great landlords for us for eight years. But I was, a little, I was a little bummed out because, you know, I show up and look at the trees. And if you notice, just for your memory, in case you hadn't seen them, if you see this photo here, the, the, the brighter green of the trees are the ones that are gone. And I just was kind of disappointed because I thought, you know, we have a good relationship. I talk to the facilities director all the time, and usually something of this magnitude that affects our entryway they don't even use our doorway. You know, usually they would just let us know. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's just a conversation that got overlooked. A little sad because I thought they were pretty trees, but maybe they were diseased or something. We can figure it out. That's fine. So I was also kind of confused because our family didn't even see it happen. I mean, all summer, Monday through Thursday, Kaylin was driving past this building on her way to football practice. And Steve and I, we walk we drive by, we jog by, anything. We go by this building all the time. I was here on Thursday evening. I showed up again Saturday, but apparently Friday, we all missed it. We all missed this big ordeal. So I snapped a photo as I stood there looking at the missing trees and sent it to the Echo leaders and figured, all right, I'll get a phone call this week. 
a few days later, longer than I expected, Chris, the facilities director, he calls. But I didn't, I didn't anticipate what he was going to say because he began with, Kelly, I hate to ask you this strange question, but did you all remove the trees in front of the church building? And I was like, you're joking, right? Like, those were the literal words I said. And I was like, um, no, what's going on? And he said, well, I was on vacation, and I came back, and there were no trees. <laughs> he said, nobody on my facilities team ordered this removal. He said, if we wanted them removed, we would have done it ourselves. We have the tools. And apparently, no one in the organization, like, people were in this building on Friday, that's how much they don't come around to this side of the building. I mean, didn't they hear noise or something? No one. No one saw it happen. And so he and I were brainstorming. I'm just picturing tree bandits, right? That's the headline here. Like, were they valuable? Did we not know that something would, like, if people will do a lot of stuff for money around here, but who knows? Trees, that seemed to be different. But so he and I were talking, and I said, well, have you talked to any of the neighbors? There's Skyline Chili. There's the Williams apartment building across the street, St. Ursula. Surely someone saw something. And he said, okay, I'm going to start making the calls. Meanwhile, Shantae said, hey, you have a next door account for East Walnut Hills. Why don't you post that and ask the neighbors if anybody saw like a truck with a name on it, right, on that Friday. So I did. And, you know, nothing. We did, I didn't hear anything for a little bit. So it was kind of a fun thing, though, because all this mystery like brought me together with some community members that I wouldn't have talked to otherwise. So like on next door, people responded. No one saw anything, but they're like, maybe you should call the news station and get media coverage on it. I was like, that's, that's far. Uh, I ran into a neighbor, and he was out for a walk, and we're talking. He goes, I saw your post. Here's all my theories. You know, like he's got all the conspiracies going on. And finally, I I called, there's, there's some Echo friends who live right around here, and I called Brandon and Josiah and said, were you home on Friday? They're like, no, man, we don't know either. So it's a big mystery, and then I just waited. Didn't hear anything from Chris, and waited. And now we'll wait a little bit longer, and I'll tell you in just a few minutes what the results were. We are in our series called Echo Location. And we are trying to share about why we exist as a church, why we're in this neighborhood, what, what matters to us as a church, and as you're a part, what we hope matters to you as well. We've been going through uh, our values for a few weeks. We have those on the homepage of our website, and you'll see we talked commission last week about how it's a reminder that we're not just called to gather here on a weekend worship service, but we're called to live out Jesus's good news in our daily lives, even when that can seem intimidating. This week, we're talking connectivity. What does that mean? Why does, why does it matter? If you see the value on our homepage, it goes along with a Bible verse, and we have Galatians 6.2, which says, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That speaks to the heart of what we want to do as a community of believers to carry the good and the bad together, to know we're not alone. And we often note that everything, these values that we read about in the Bible, they're not just happy words, but Jesus lived these things out. Things that we're called to do, Jesus demonstrated for us. So I want us to look today at a story in the life of Jesus and how he carried burdens and connected with people in a community. 
We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 today. We went through the entire book of Luke for a year, and so last year at this time, we read through this chapter together, but we're going to focus on a little different angle. We're going to begin in verse 11, and let me read for us from the New Testament for Everyone translation. As Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he passed along the borderlands between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into one particular village, he was met by 10 men with virulent skin diseases who stayed at home at some distance from him. Jesus, master, they called out loudly, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. One of them, seeing that he had been healed, turned back and gave glory to God at the top of his voice. He fell on his face in front of Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. There were 10 of you healed, weren't there? Responded Jesus. Where are the nine? Is it really the case that the only one who had the decency to give God the glory was this foreigner? Get up. Be on your way, he said. Your faith has saved you. Often, the topic of gratitude is what we bring up, and that's what we talked about last year, because it's, it's a good one. <laughs> it's a real good focus here. But let's look at the framework of connectivity. So Jesus didn't just breeze into communities. He stopped, and he had conversations. Kendra took us through John chapter 4 a few weeks ago about how Jesus was in this region of Samaria, and he didn't just keep walking. He stopped at a well. He had a conversation. He looked at Samaritan people in the eyes. And he revealed his good news to them. Here we find Jesus making further connections in that community. Now it said, I really like this version because the translation of being on the border between Samaria and Galilee, if you want to pull up our map here, there's some colorful areas. We've got Samaria listed and Judea. So right between where the brown and the blue meet, somewhere along there is where we're talking about. But I really liked how this used the word borderlands because in some of the different commentaries I was studying, they were saying like that the original language was not specific. It was this gray area. And they're like, Luke actually seemed to use language that was more fuzzy. Like there's some sort of limbo. There's a feeling he wanted us to have as we read this story. Somewhere, not quite Samaria, not quite Judea, not quite anything. That's where these 10 guys were. There must have been both Jewish and Samaritan people together in this group because Jesus noted that the one person who said thank you was a foreigner, and for him, he's Jewish man. The foreigner would have, would have been about a Samaritan person. Now, we in this region, we can relate to borderlands, right? We live in a space where several Echo friends cross a border to get here every Sunday. Shout out to the Northern Kentucky folks here among us. And so, here's a map from 1913. I just liked how the colors were. And the green is Eden Park, you can see there. But I'm originally from Kentucky. I get that across the border every week to go to the grocery store in the heartland. And, you know, as we're gathering here, some from Kentucky, some from Ohio, some from Indiana maybe. Um, the boundaries, they're easy to cross, but there's different cultures, right? So let's visualize this meshing of people here at the borderlands. Let's consider what was going on with these 10 men. 
we read that Jesus was going into a particular village. He hadn't yet gone in, but so that's outside of the boundaries of town. That is where these men were because they had some diseases and they didn't want to spread that to other people, but also there were rules. They were saying, you are so contagious that we cannot allow you in this place. So imagine, there's this pop-up community that was created. People who couldn't get close to their loved ones had gathered together. No matter their situation before, Jewish or Samaritan, even like wealthy or poor, educated or not, suddenly they were all in the same condition. Their pain is what connected them. They could understand each other in a way that other people couldn't. This makeshift community, they probably decided it was safer to stick together, or at least not as lonely. And that's where Jesus showed up. They connected on a deep level, and Jesus stepped in also to connect with them. He didn't just look at them from afar, wave, and pass by. He got close, and he brought healing. No matter, no matter who they were, no matter if they said thanks or not, they all got healed. When Jesus pointed out that one man's ethnicity, he wasn't against Samaritans. He's already shared healing and love and his salvation to Samaritans. But the wording implies that Jesus was just a little bit disappointed in his own people, his community, those who were saying they worship Yahweh, the Lord God, and yet didn't thank God in this moment. He had some expectations of his own community that seemed to have discouraged him. But we've said this words community and connectivity throughout this story. So let's break those down. Because I used to think they were interchangeable, but a conversation with a friend helped me see otherwise. So first, let's say community is about proximity. You live probably nearby people. You work near people. You're sharing the same space. But whether you want to have connections with them, that's, that's a choice. You can go in and out of your house and your home and your doorway. And you don't have to talk to the people around you. You're a community, but are you connected? Communities can be based on shared interests. You know, you can, you can show up at a concert or a sporting event or a play, and you can all have been there because you want to see this thing. And yet, you're still next to each other. You have to take the step, that effort to reach out. You can show up here at Echo. It's a community. We're not super big, but you can still come in and sneak back out without talking to anybody. It's, there's a different effort to go from just proximity to something more. So I'm going to put the wording that connectivity is intentionally going deeper in a community. So taking those steps, reaching out, having conversations, getting to know people, and being known. So I've I've come with four words for us. They all end in illity. So just to help us think through what connectivity is. We have vulnerability, responsibility, sustainability, accountability. You didn't know it was a vocabulary lesson today, but here we go. Vulnerability. That means we're showing up and revealing something about ourselves. We're allowing ourselves to be known by other people, and that can be intimidating because... It means that we're having to share a piece of ourselves and entrust that in someone else's hands and entrust that they're going to take care of who we are. 
but also it's important that we're revealing needs because if you're connected, there's something about not only giving to a community, but allowing others to give to you. And I feel like in our culture, that's the harder one. How many of you have been willing to serve as we've been doing this summer of service challenge, and yet how many people have been begging to share the needs that you have? It's harder sometimes to be vulnerable in that way. The 10 guys at the Borderlands, they were already physically vulnerable, but to join with others, they had to like kind of have more of an emotional, I would think, relational vulnerability to gather together. The next piece, in connecting with others, We've got responsibility. We're becoming responsible for other people's well-being. If you are connected, you are checking in. You are looking out for others. You are sharing good things that you think they might like. You are caring for their needs, if you can, or advocating for them when you can't. There's a give and a take, but responsibility is involving people. It's like that you're saying, I want to help take on what you have into my life. The 10 men on the borderlands, they probably hung out together because they could also care for each other, protect each other. There could be dangers out in the borderlands, but if they stuck together, they could look out for one another. Next, when we're connected with others, let's look at sustainability. We all contribute to making a whole community. That can't be done by one individual. In order to function, everyone has to give. Everyone has to take part, serve, be creative, give ideas. That is what makes a community connected, sustains it to go further, to keep going. In our scripture today, that community that just was on the borderlands, it probably wasn't very sustainable. I wouldn't want them to live out there for a long time. So when Jesus connected into their lives, what he was doing was bringing healing so they could reconnect back into their original communities with family, with friends. They could go return to those unsustainable environments again. He wanted not only their physical health, but their spiritual, mental, physical, all that sustainability probably grew as they reconnected. And finally, when we connect, we allow others to expect something from us. Accountability. Our goal is to keep one another afloat. If there are errors made, then we need to own up to those. If other people break things that need fixing, we can try to lovingly critique because we don't want to tear down, but we want to help each other grow. But saying yes means that we try to follow through and it's okay to expect that from others and allow others to expect it from us. And that's kind of scary. Sometimes I don't want to have to have additional things expected of me, but yet we all flourish when we are accountable to each other. As noted, Jesus had expectations of those 10 men and we know that one seemed to live up to those but the others, they all got healing. They all found hope. They ran into this miracle worker and they were accountable for how they lived once their lives were changed. And we don't love the story of the other nine. And we hope, we hope they did find gratitude, find connection again. We can hope. Last week when we said commission was about Jesus and trusting us to carry out purpose, his purpose in the world. Connectivity is about us and trusting each other. 
We're asking each other to help us live out that purpose because we can't do it alone. We shouldn't do it alone. Okay, you've waited long enough. The time has come to reveal the mystery of the trees. I spoke with Chris, the facilities director, and he laughed and said, Kelly, I feel like a private investigator. I've been tracking down clues. I have looked at footsteps. He's like, you know, always sunny from Philadelphia. He's like, I was Charlie. I had red string everywhere. And so as he spoke, I'm still imagining like thieves under the cover of darkness and what is happening. And the real answer was a little less sinister, but still kind of uncomfortable. St. Ursula is a Catholic, school, Catholic girls' school next door. And one of their properties, they own several buildings. One property, the, the lawn, is butts right up against the playground over here. So they, they literally share a border. Uh, they had called upon a company to survey their property and do some lawn care, some anything that was going on, deal with trees. And the company came out to survey, and they made a list. And they looked at this, saw it was a church next to a Catholic school, and thought, it's St. Ursula. So they put on their list, we will remove two trees in front of 1301 East McMillan. So the person from St. Ursula called Chris after several days, and they sounded a little guilty because they signed off on the project. And someone didn't read the fine print and said, yes, do whatever you, you think is best. And they didn't know that their contractor was going to take out the trees of the learning grove. So now two neighbors are connected in a very awkward way. St. Ursula had to show vulnerability and admit that was on us. We are so sorry. They, they had to take responsibility and recognize that they were kind of hurting their neighbors. You know, there's like a disappointing feeling here to not look out for the neighbors, but they recognized that there was some damage done in that relationship. So the Learning Grove said, yes, they expect St. Ursula to right the wrong, hold them to accountability, vulnerability, responsibility, accountability. At the same time, both the CFO and the facilities director, I had conversations with both of them, and they both in different ways expressed to me that they just wanted to keep sustainability in the relationship. They were like, we don't want to be demanding. We want to be good neighbors because we're here in the same community, on the same block, trying to care for this neighborhood. And they're like, we know that they did something wrong. And yes, we do want them to give us some new trees, but they were really trying to be caring about it. And they wouldn't have used the word, but I saw grace there, right? That it mattered to them, not just to right the wrong, but to know that a long relationship, a connection in this community mattered. So this property, this boundary that divides, they crossed the boundary. But I see two organizations standing at the borderlands and saying, this is a boundary that connects. It doesn't have to divide, it can connect us. And that takes effort and intentionality to look at borders, not as divisions, but as connections. And that's what I wanna challenge us to do, to go out in life and to see borders as connecting points. Here in greater Cincinnati, we see people every day who are lost and in pain and they feel 
probably feel on the inside a lot like those 10 men looked on the outside at the borderlands. They needed connectivity, not just hanging out in a space in proximity with other people. This past week, our Tuesday small group, we talked about the pain that comes when we meet friends who they don't like those labels of church or Christian because they have been harmed by people with those labels. And we were trying to figure out what do we do? What do we do to build trust again? Just have to keep doing the simple things of kindness, serving others, admitting when we're wrong, caring, trying to rebuild. But it takes perseverance. You have to do those things long enough in a relationship, in a connectivity, in order for that trust to build again. We have a choice to find what unites. We've all faced pain, we've all had broken trust, and we're all longing for hope and love and healing. And we are all invited by Jesus to experience those through him, redemption of our stories. Every one of us, people we like or people we dislike, Jesus offers his salvation to people we find amazing, people we find repulsive. We step into this building, this specific echo location, and I hope we will connect with each other, to see each other as just people on the borderlands who happened to realize this was a community where we could journey together. When we step out from this building, I hope that you will look for people, look for people wandering, look for people ready to connect on a deeper level. We put up a lot of of good faces, we put up a lot of boundaries, but yet inside we're longing for that connection. Let's connect. There's people out there who they might, they might actually anticipate someone wanting vulnerability, responsibility, sustainability, and accountability. I can't end the conversation any better than this quote that I read from Professor Richard Vinson in his Bible commentary on Luke 17. He says this, don't despair, don't give up, even when you think you're lost. God is at work in the world even, or maybe especially, in the unmapped places where people feel most estranged from what's holy. If you can have the courage to stand in there, in limbo with them, to stand where they can see you and you can see them, then you can be part of amazing things. That's good news. That's the gospel. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for wanting us to not be alone, to be in communities where we are known and we can know others. Thank you for wanting us to form true connections. Help us, Lord. It's scary. It's scary to trust others. It's scary to be vulnerable. We ask for your courage this week to live like Jesus and connect with others, to live like those who are willing to be known. We lift you up, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for living on earth and giving us a life to emulate. Amen. 
Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.